Evening, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, let's pray and ask for God's help before we go any further. Let's bow our heads. Father God, um, we thank you so much uh, for this chance to take time out and to um, uh, switch off from the busyness of life and the distractions of life and to think about what is most important. Uh, we ask that you'd speak to us through your word and we pray that we'd be willing to listen. Amen. I wonder if you've uh, ever had that experience uh, where you go to the supermarket, you're standing in the supermarket queue, um, not wanting to name any names, but probably at Lidl, and um, uh, uh, you've been waiting for ages in the queue, and uh, suddenly the queue next to you opens, and you don't spot it quickly enough, and the entire queue behind you shifts to the front of the next queue, and you're still stood waiting for ages. It is so annoying, isn't it? Sometimes life just isn't fair. Well, there's also the fact that uh, I've um, gone in for every Newcastle United ticket ballot since October, and I've not got a single ticket. And yet Dave Dowling seems to get one every single time, and he went yesterday. <laughs> Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. But on a more serious note, uh, sometimes the worst things uh, seem to happen to great people, don't they? Uh, and sometimes uh, those who don't really seem so great seem to land on their feet. And that's what the preacher has just been talking about uh, in the previous chapter, in chapter 8. Um, you know, things like uh, the diagnosis that people get, the, the child who dies, uh, and we think, why them? Uh, there are deep and profound enigmas and uncertainties in life, and we wrestle with them, don't they? They feel painful. They just don't make sense. And it doesn't feel like how things are meant to be. Uh, we're going to focus on chapter 9 tonight that we've just read. Uh, and the preacher, having spoken about those things in chapter 8, he starts chapter 9, uh, verse 1, by saying this, But all this I laid to heart, Examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God, uh, whether it is love or hate, man does not know. I, uh, even for the righteous and the wise, you just don't know what is going to hit them in life. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been getting to know this preacher, haven't we? Um, he's uh, not afraid to ask the big, difficult questions in life. Uh, and he's on a very personal journey. He says he lays these things to heart. Uh, he's wrestling with these things. Uh, and what he says is true. Uh, but we must also remember uh, he writes before Jesus uh, and before the light of the New Testament. Uh, and so there is more to say than just what is here. Uh, and we'll come on to that later. But we do first need to see the truth of what he writes. Uh, because uh, he starts off here by shattering the illusion uh, that we so easily slip into, that life is neat and tidy and explainable. Uh, and more directly, the illusion that we can control everything in life, uh, that we can be gods and, and control our own destiny. Uh, and the first punch that the preacher gives us to wake us up from those illusions is to remind us that there is only one thing in life that is certain. Some things always end the same way, don't they? Um, 
If you watch The Apprentice, you know that at the end of the episode, somebody is going to get fired, apart from the last episode. Uh, or uh, every time uh, you put a cake in the oven and you forget to set a timer, you know what the end is going to be, don't you? And in life, you know what the end is going to be. Every time, uh, the one thing that is certain from the day you are born is what is going to happen at the end. Do you see that in verse 2? Uh, the preacher says, it is the same for all. Uh, whether you are righteous or you're wicked, uh, whether you are good or you're evil, uh, whether you are clean or unclean, uh, whether you are someone who offered sacrifices back in the day or you didn't bother, uh, whether you stick to your promises or you just throw them out the window and you're a barefaced liar. He says, verse 3, this is an evil that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. The preacher makes us look long and hard at the one certainty in life. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, you might remember Ken's death clock. Uh, the clock is ticking. However good you are, however wise you are, uh, however strong you are, uh, you just cannot tie up all the loose ends in life and be sure of your destiny. If you think you can, then something is coming that is going to prove to you that you can't. Death. In verse 4, uh, the next verse, uh, it's a bit like the preacher says, don't get me wrong, living is good. Uh, it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. Uh, dogs weren't the favorite animal back then like they maybe are now. Um, they were dirty scavengers whilst uh, lions were the, the king of uh, animals. Uh, but he's saying, uh, yeah, life, life is good. It's better to be a, a living dog than a dead lion. But ultimately, life is only going to end one way. And in verses 5 and 6, he reminds us of how final death is. He writes, the dead know nothing. And they have no more rewards, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Now there's such a finality to death, isn't there? Uh, all the roller coasters of emotions that drive people's lives, love, hate, jealousy, they're all gone. Uh, and the preacher isn't just reminding us of the fact of death. Uh, he also wants us to feel the outrage of it. <coughs> uh, remember, uh, back in verse 3, he writes, uh, this is an evil, uh, that the same event happens to all. Uh, death cuts into our world, doesn't it? And it feels like it's not meant to be. It makes no sense. Uh, whatever you do, whatever you're like, however great you are, <coughs> nothing can guarantee you a longer life. And it feels like a particular outrage uh, when it's the young person who's cut down in their prime. Death teaches us that the world is broken and fallen uh, and there is something not right. Our mortality is there to help us recognize the reality of the world, uh, which we're not good at doing, are we? 
And it's meant to help us to face up to the fact that we are not gods. And to face up to the question of where we stand with God. Recently heard about uh, a radio interview with a cancer survivor. And uh, the interviewer um, uh, asked the, uh, the, the um, guy, uh, said, what was that time of your life like? And um, the cancer survivor said, uh, it really made me think. Yes, for a while there, I thought my days were numbered. Uh, it was as if he was saying, um, but now I've had successful chemo, uh, I'm immortal. But our days are always numbered, aren't they? And that's meant to create a, an urgency about where we stand with God. But let's face it, uh, we so easily tend to live as if uh, the one thing in life that is certain is uncertain. Uh, and other things that are uncertain are certain. And the preacher brings that home in verses 11 to 12. Um, we'll come back to verses 7 to 10 in a minute. Uh, but have a look at verse 11. Verse 11. He writes, Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, uh, nor the battle to the strong, uh, nor bread to the wise, uh, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For a man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Uh, we might um, aspire to have it all, uh, to know it all, to achieve it all, uh, to be happy forever, to, to be rich, uh, to have all the answers in life. But what guarantee is there that you won't be hit by a car tomorrow? And no one knows when that hour is going to come. And nothing can make life certain, absolutely nothing. Yes, of course, uh, often the things we expect in life do happen. But you can never fully predict it or be sure of it. We all have certain dreams uh, in life, don't we? Um, my son has decided that he wants to be a stunt motorcycle rider. Um, a bit like Peter Gray, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, and actually, because he wants to be a stunt motorcycle driver, my little girl now wants to be one as well. Um, but uh, as we get older, uh, those dreams change, don't they? Um, it might be getting the right results, uh, or it might be making the sports team that you want to be in, uh, or getting married, or finding the right career, uh, or maybe it's just settling down in a comfortable house uh, with space to laugh and talk and um, enjoy food together. Uh, or it's growing old happily with friends or family. Uh, Ecclesiastes says those things might happen. Uh, you might do all of them. But equally, uh, with all the best laid plans and with all the effort and with all the gifts and skill, you might not make it through tomorrow. And so we need to put our faith in something other than the things of this world. Uh, the preacher talks of fish happily swimming along, doesn't he? Uh, fish don't think about being caught in a net, do they? Uh, they're just swimming around one minute, and the next minute, they're out of the water. 
My, uh, my granddad uh, retired fairly early um, and moved up to Northumberland from down south so he could be near family. And uh, one day he was walking back from Exhibition Park uh, with my four-year-old sister and he dropped down dead from a heart attack, sadly. And what the preacher says here rings true, doesn't it? Uh, even if we don't like to think about it. Let's face it, this is fairly bleak. Uh, but it's important. Uh, and don't worry, we're, we're on the up now. Uh, but let me ask you this question. If you knew that you would die soon, how would you live? How would you live? Uh, or to put it another way, uh, how do we live in the shadow of death, given that it's going to come to every one of us? Uh, that's what we see in verses 7 to 10. These verses feel like a bit of a surprise, don't they? Uh, after all the despairing reflections of the preacher. But suddenly in verse 7, uh, he writes this, uh, Go, eat your bread with joy, uh, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. And we're to go, uh, seize the day, uh, make the most of it. Uh, God has already approved what you do. Uh, not in the sense that he approves of anything that we do, uh, but in the sense that he approves of us taking pleasure in the good things he's given us. Uh, they come from him. It's right to enjoy what he's given us. Verse 8 is another encouragement to be joyful, uh, to wear white instead of the black garments of mourning, uh, to use oil to nourish the skin so that you present your best to the world. Uh, he's saying, look after yourself. Uh, the world is meant to be uh, a place of color and life and beauty. Verse 9, uh, if you're married, uh, enjoy it. Delight in your wife or your husband. Uh, verse 10, uh, give your best in things and apply yourself to your work. We're to remember that life is a gift that comes from God's hands. But it can just as easily be taken away. Uh, each day is a gift, so enjoy life today. Uh, enjoy the blessings that God has given you. Uh, the psalmist writes, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, yes, we need to live in light of the end, uh, and we need it to give us a sense of urgency about getting things right with God. Uh, but Jesus says that if we are trusting him, uh, we shouldn't constantly worry about death uh, or, or about what might befall us tomorrow. Uh, he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Yes, there is only one thing in life that is certain, uh, but we're to trust God for tomorrow and enjoy today uh, or ask for his help in the challenges of today. But we're to trust him for tomorrow trust him for our own death and rest in him. But that doesn't mean just living for ourselves. Uh, Jesus also tells the parable of the, the rich man, doesn't he, uh, who has uh, this amazing harvest. Uh, his business is doing incredibly well. Uh, he stores up huge amounts of grain in barns and builds more and more barns. Uh, and he says to himself, uh, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says to him, you fool, 
this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich towards God's. I were to seize the day and the opportunities that it brings, uh, but in a way that is rich towards God's, in a way that acknowledges his gifts uh, and seeks to honor him and serve him and give him thanks. But even when we do that, uh, there's still great tensions in life, isn't there? Uh, and they're very much reflected in this passage. Uh, things seem out of kilter. Uh, the, the joys of uh, good wine and food, uh, the fullness of life, uh, those moments when it just feels great to be alive. Uh, alongside uh, the pain of life, suddenly taken away. The finality of death. The sense that it is just not how things should be. The person who dies leaving young children and a parent on their own. And here in this passage, there's a constant sense of that tension. I was supposed to feel it. It doesn't get resolved. And it's there in this final story uh, that the preacher tells in verse 13. Do you see that? The preacher writes, uh, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Uh, or it could be translated, it made a great trans- uh, impression on me. What's this example, this story? Uh, we're told about a, a small city uh, with a few men uh, that's besieged by a, a great king who comes against it. Uh, the odds don't look good at all, do they? Um, uh, they're stuck in the city and supplies are starting to run out. But verse 15, uh, there was found in it in the city a poor wise man and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Uh, great news, what, what a hero. Uh, this poor wise man must have been. But it continues, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Uh, In many ways, it seems like this story is commending wisdom to us, doesn't it? Uh, Wisdom is better than might. And yet we're told that No one remembered that poor man, uh, or it could mean no one paid attention to him. Uh, We read verse 16 that his words are despised and not listened to. Uh, And lastly, verse 18, the preacher writes that wisdom is better than weapons of war, and yet one sinner can destroy much good. Wisdom might appear better than might, it might be good, but the reality isn't so straightforward. What then, the preacher might ask, is the value of wisdom? The poor man is ignored afterwards. No one cares. It's awful, isn't it? What a travesty after this man has saved them. Wisdom is good, but there's still so much tension in life, however wise you are. So much that still feels incomprehensible. So much that makes us um, wrestle with the big questions of life, like this preacher. 
We just have a yearning for something better. But thankfully, there is one who makes sense of it all. Uh, One who can take us through that inevitable end and who can resolve our yearnings. And he's surprisingly like the poor wise man in this passage. Uh, He delivered us. He delivered us from the power of Satan and the sting of death. And he did it at the cross by giving his own life. And he did it with the wisdom of God. And yet, so many despise his wisdom and don't listen to his words. Uh, Jesus was willing to enter into the messiness of life. And he felt those tensions even more than we do. Uh, He was the one who was greatest, the one who flung the stars into space and created the universe, Uh, the one who had perfect wisdom and who lived a perfect life. And yet he was mocked, wasn't he? Uh, He was beaten. He was killed tragically young. And yet God was working out his purposes. Uh, Jesus rose again. He defeated death. And his resurrection means there is hope. Hope of a place where we don't feel these tensions anymore. Hope of a place uh, where there won't be these things we don't understand and these pains. All of those things are meant to dislodge us from seeking our security here. Uh, But God's good gifts... Uh, The joys of this life are meant to make us homesick for heaven uh, precisely because they are so good. You might have read um, C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle. And uh, in it, uh, the children and the animals uh, move from the old Narnia to the new Narnia. uh, And they discover that every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forehoof on the ground and neighed, and then he cried, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we loved the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Come further up, come further in. In the tensions and the struggles of life, uh, many who don't know Christ throw themselves into eating and drinking, don't they? As if that is all it is. But if we love Christ... And we can enjoy those things now as a foretaste of heaven, and their taste of, of going home. And we don't need to fear death. Instead, we can trust Jesus. And we can grab hold of life now, and we can enjoy its blessings whilst being rich towards God and seeking to live in light of eternity with him. Let's pray. Father God, 
Uh, we, we so easily seek to make this our home and make ourselves secure here. Please dislodge us from seeking our security in the things of this world or, or thinking that we are immortal and can control our destiny. Instead, please help us to make the most of life, uh, recognizing that each day is a, a gift from you to be enjoyed. Please help us to be rich towards you, living in light of eternity. And we thank you for that hope that we have in Jesus of one day going home. Amen. <laughs>